Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the All Bald Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend Dhruv Jagannath again. Uh, today, Hello. we're gonna today we're gonna go over our favorite draft classes per team, and then we're gonna go over our lead classes per team. And there's some overlap. Uh, some teams came some teams came off looking amazing. Some teams came off looking not so great. But without further ado, let's get right into it. I, my number one favorite team, all my favorite teams, by the way, got A plus grades by me. And let's start off with my number one favorite team. I wish I can give them an A plus plus the Dallas Cowboys. So the Dallas Cowboys, I, with their first round pick, got um, wide receiver CD Lamb out of Oklahoma. CD Lamb was my sixth ranked total player on my big board. He's an amazing route runner. He's got amazing ball skills. He's amazing after the catch. He's broke 26 tackles on 62 receptions and averaged 11 yards after the catch at Oklahoma, which is astounding. Uh, Not enough can be said for him. And then in round two, they picked up cornerback Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. Uh, I think that he's perfect for Dallas' scheme. He allowed just nine catches on 33 targets with three interceptions and seven forcing completions. On uh, round three, they picked up defensive interior lineman uh, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, who's another great value pick for where they got him. Pretty much everyone Dallas picked up in this draft, they got ahead, or they got um, they got they picked them up way past before, like when I thought they should be picked. He's got tre- uh, tremendous strength and burst. He'll be an immediate impact player. Fourth round picked up Reggie uh, Robinson and uh, Tyler Biad. Biad, De- I can't pronounce this guy. Biadash. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Robinson, another great value pick, and uh, I'm just gonna say Tyler. <laughs> he's got he's an outstanding run blocker, and he really has the chance to uh, stand out with, um, especially with Travis Travis Frederick's retirement. Round five, they go uh, uh, they go edge. They get um, Branley Anay. He's not a great athlete, but he does have the skills to give the Cowboys hope for the future. And ultimately, that's what you're looking for in someone who you're picking in the later rounds. Round seven, they picked up Ben DiNucci, a quarterback out of James Madison. Uh, not going to lie, didn't get to watch any tape on this guy at all whatsoever, so I have nothing to say about it. But seeing as how Dak Prescott looks to be their uh, quarterback for the foreseeable future, uh, there's really nothing uh, important to say about him anyway. But I loved Dallas's draft class. A plus all around for me. Pretty much got great value guys wherever they were, anywhere they were. They seemed to get guys that, you know, just shouldn't be there. So what are your thoughts on Dallas's draft? Coming from a Cowboys fan, I loved everything we did from this draft class. Like from the right, get totally go. forgot about that. And when people said I remember all throughout that day when the news came out that Jerry Jones was going to do all draft the first round from his yacht. And people, people pretty much clowned <laughs> on it saying, this is going to go well. And we ended up getting the best receiver in the draft. So I agree. It indeed went very well. CD lamb should not yeah. have been there at 17. No way. Right. I, I right. justify and... some for that, but agent didn't make much sense in my head. I didn't think Jerry Judy should have been taken over CD lamb. And yeah, just how do you pass on a receiver this good? We're talking about one of probably the gen- receiver of the next generation, one of the best yards after catch receivers, like you already mentioned. 
very deceptive, deceptively strong and deceptively fast. Route running is mm-hmm. route running is still a little bit of a work in progress because I'm not as high on it as you are. I still think, but right. especially with in a wide receiver room with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, two fantastic route runners. I think CeeDee Lamb's route running has nowhere nowhere to go but up. Uh-huh. To vulture for targets in because so many weapons on that team, so it's kind of subtraction. But mm-hmm. he's going to be a high impact player in both the running and the passing game. I, I cannot say about CD Lamb. And if you guys really right. want to know how to out the Sports Waves live stream uh, reaction, I legitimately lost it when the Cowboys drafted CD Lamb. And, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. moving on to the- this pick was one I wasn't exactly high on at first because they passed on Christian Fulton. And right. the, the thing with passing on Christian Fulton was a little bit of a it, it, it did turn me off a little bit. However, Trayvon Diggs was one of my higher graded uh, defensive backs in the draft. Either way, For, I was thinking Noah I, Jalen Johnson, be there, but unfortunately, both of them went before, especially with Johnson going one pick before to the Bears. But the thing that you got to know about Diggs is that he's a work in progress. He's got all the physical tools to be a fantastic, uh, fantastic man coverage corner at the next level. Believable ball skills. This comes from his background of playing wide receiver in high school. Um, he closes space fantastic. He's fantastic at closing space. He does it really quickly. But the one thing that I don't like about Diggs is the fact that he sort of tracks the ball. Is that his ball tracking is sort of very inconsistent. He's it perfectly, and he matches. And he's right in face with the receiver. Makes an interception. It's one of the best plays you'll, you'll ever mm-hmm. see. But on the next one, he'll get tossed around like a rag doll at the line of scrimmage. It's another concern I have that I'll get to. And Jamar Chase will be wide open on a twenty-yard go ball, and Diggs is going to be Diggs is going to look stupid in coverage. So it's mm-hmm. it's all very up and down with a player like him. I I like the pick a lot more than I did the day of the draft. Mainly because he's probably not going to be asked to do way too much in this in for in year one, it's right? Jordan Lewis and Reggie Robinson already being there, and a few more things mm-hmm. that I like about Diggs. Uh, tackling also needs work. Either he tackles way too high or way too low, and it always gets broken. Um, when we when we talk about running through contact, this is one of Diggs's main concerns. Ball carrier run through tackles. Sure, he matches fine. I'd like him to be a bit more involved, especially in the run game. Uh, moving on to what you said about Neville Gallimore. I loved him. I didn't think he was going to be there at all. He's going to wreck pockets for the next about decade with Tristan Hill. And now the Cowboys actually have a future at the defensive tackle position outside of Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe. Sure, those guys are going to provide right. better presences as of right now, but, those, but Gallimore and Hill are probably the future. Anai was insane value, by the way. Very technically refined, even though he's not exactly a great athlete. I think dropped him this far in the draft. Uh, Reggie Robinson, he's probably going to get playing time either at corner or safety. He could even get playing time at nickel. And he's, once again, he's a fantastic athlete with tremendous upside. And then Biadaj, once again, competition at offensive line. He's going to compete with Joe Looney, Connor McGovern, who was last year's third-round pick and didn't play a snap all season due to injury. Connor Williams got hurt mid-last season and hasn't exactly lived up to second round expectations. So Biaj gets to contribute to, to that room and to that offense, that interior offensive line room opposite Zach Martin. And the Danucci pick is mm-hmm. just uh, competing for backup. I, I think they want someone 
more capable than Clayton Thorson and Cooper Rush, who are listed as the number two and number three quarterbacks in their roster. So they drafted Danucci in the seventh round just to get some competition going there. I really, really like this class yeah. A plus for me. Yeah, A plus, A plus all around. So uh, you go next. So Dallas was your. Uh, I'm assuming you had Dallas on your. I I did, uh, but best because as well. I did because but because we overlapped. I, I I decided to pick another squad as well. And if we want to talk about right, go and ahead. if we want to talk about value, how about the New York Jets? That team hit it off. Yeah, like. I think hit it off is just an understatement. You draft Mackay Becton in round one, who is who is right. an imposingly strong and physical human being, but at the same time a freak athlete. Uh, I think we, on last mm-hmm. episode we discussed the video of Becton literally moving a truck that had its brakes that was on right. Break. Like <laughs> someone who's that strong and physically imposing, that's the guy who you want to be your blindside protector. Sam Darnold must have been thrilled, thrilled with that pick. Mainly because he mm-hmm. gets his left tackle of the future, who is indeed developmental, so he's not going to be a perfect prospect from day one. That's that's their of course, but he's he's got ridiculous For upside. Sure. Becton has probably the second highest upside in this class after Jedrick Wills, who we discussed in the last episode as well. But just in general, great value for him. I think the eleventh overall pick was fantastic. And going on to right. the second round, I don't know how the. 59th overall, especially after, that. Yeah, especially after trading down. That was ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I just don't know how it happened, especially with a guy considered a top five receiver in this class by many in the, in the scouting in the analytics department. Mims has fantastic right. hands. His ability to just get off, to just push defenders away from him and get separation that way—it's unbelievable. His catch radius is fantastic. Yeah, He's a great athlete. He's very physical. His route running and his separation yeah, skills can they, do work. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, his skills are a little, uh, they're very um, atypical for someone of his like small stature, but it's, he is very like, I'd, I'd say that he relates kind of to Antonio Brown in that way. But my Steelers were picking um, at 49 and we picked Chase Claypool ahead of Denzel Mims. At first, I, I didn't love it, but then, you know, he's kind of grown on me. Uh, tight end has been an area that we've been trying to fix for a long time, and I I love the pick and clay pool. 6'4", runs a 4'2", four, four, and, you know, he's got an amazing catch radius. But Mims falling to the Jets was something that I definitely did not see. And I remember I, – I can't remember who picked right before the Jets, but when they didn't pick Mims, my, my group chat was – all blowing up shout out to joe mike and anthony <laughs> flipping out when um when mims fell to them and of course you can't pass on a player like him especially when you know players like robbie anderson are out the door and y- you have jameson crowder but he's not he's not your guy you know denzel mims can be your guy especially for uh sam Darnold. so you get sam Darnold help on the outside you get him help on the offensive line i think there's uh great things coming for their offense for sure i remember discussing this I remember discussing, discussing this point in an article I wrote about CeeDee Lamb. Denzel Mims is the Jets' future X receiver because, like CeeDee Lamb, mm-hmm. he's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's the physical wide receiver one that the Jets have needed for years. Robbie Anderson was fantastic, mm-hmm. but he's not done, he doesn't have the upside that Denzel Mims does. And uh, with Jamison right. Crowder and Rashad Perriman, Perriman's going to play the Z, so off the line of scrimmage, very, very athletic and fast. 
So that's going to be their, that's going to be the guy who can stretch the field for them. And Crowder is their incredible route runner from the slot. So you have yeah. three wide receivers, all with different, different skill sets who can all help their quarterback in different ways. And especially right. with a guy like and Mims, that, that pretty much sort of completes your offense, if I might put it that way. Yeah, of course. I love what the Jets have been doing this whole offseason entirely. I, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't even know that they had picked up Pierre Desir this offseason until I saw it on their uh, key like incoming players on the bottom of the draft thing. Uh, that's an excellent addition to their defense along with an amazing draft class. You know, I, I think that – I don't think they'll be a playoff team next year, and I think the Bills are still going to edge them out for the division. But I think that they can steal a game from the Bills. I think they go uh, one and one, two and zero oh against the uh, both the Dolphins and the Patriots. I think they're a fringe playoff team, but definitely an upcoming team for the future. The Jets are going to be a problem in two years. 100%. Guarantee that. The Jets are going to be a problem yeah. in two years. And if Sam Darnold can develop the way that they think or we think that he can, which I think he has a lot of upside still to come. I, I think that they can be very dangerous. I think the one factor that holds back the Jets at this point is the coaching. Like, Adam Gase didn't exactly do a fantastic job last year in New York. So I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a little bit concerned that he might be the reason why the Jets may not be a playoff caliber team this year. And if, if they do not go at least 8-8 eight and eight this year, out with him, honestly. There, there's way too much... Yeah, There's 100%. way too much talent on this team to not be a fringe playoff team, like you said. And speaking of that defense, you mentioned Pierre Desir. They traded their sixth for Quincy Wilson, who was a former second-round pick at corner. So he's going to compete there. Mm-hmm. They drafted Bryce Hall in the fifth. Inexcusable that he was there because of medical. Like, people projected him in the second round at one point. Like, this is a top 10, top 12 corner in the class who fits – who. Probably will start on the outside from day one, even though he's a top, even though he's a round five pick. Like you uh-huh. have in their secondary, you have Bryce Hall, who's probably going to start outside. Ashton Davis, who they drafted in the third round at an incredible value as well, who might start at nickel. However, you want to play him, he's going to be their Swiss Army knife alongside Jamal Adams, Marcus May, who can play the deep third, Pierre Desir, who can be a lockdown machine in man coverage on the outside, and Quincy Wilson now, who who can compete for the nickel job with Brian Poole. So all mm-hmm. so you have the Jets secondary that's completely remade in the span of just one offseason. Great job with everything the Jets have done. And I want to talk about one right. move that the Jets made in the fourth round this year with James Morgan, the quarterback out of Florida International. This is how you draft an insurance op- option correctly. Uh, we're going to talk about a team later in this podcast that didn't exactly do that uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Um, James Morgan in the fourth round was, was fantastic value. In my opinion, you draft a guy at quarterback two, similar how, to how the, the Cowboys did with Ben Danucci. Obviously James Morgan's a lot better than Danucci, but it's the same role. You need a guy who can, who can start at quarterback in case Sam Darnold gets hurt because you're only. Yeah. You want to, you want to take a chance and you can't have the same situation happening this year that happened last year when whatever the hell his name is came in. And just <laughs> and just set the entire field like, you know, I I have no I can't I can't remember his name. Luke That's Falk. how bad he was. And I'm pretty good at names. Luke what, Falk. What's his name? Luke Falk. The, the Washington quarter. The Washington. You can't yeah. have that happen again. 
the yeah this is how but yes i completely agree with you this is how you're supposed to handle drafting a backup quarterback correctly you do it on day three and morgan's very developmental he can learn from darnold and adam gase just in general they've shored up a lot of their needs and they got insane value addressing everything the fact that they addressed that they addressed everything does not do enough justice to how great this draft class was the jets got an a plus from me without a doubt they had probably one of the top five or six Agreed. draft classes in this entire league. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, for me, another A-plus, Denver Broncos. Round one, Jerry Judy with the 15th pick. Even though I believe that they that they should have picked C.D. Lamb, the fact that Judy slipped that low as well is a travesty. Uh, he was seventh on my big board right after number six, who was uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, he's it's absolutely ridiculous that he landed with them. He's got tremendous uh, yards after the cash ability and route running. He's the best route runner in this draft, probably. And then they go around to wide receiver out of Penn State, KJ Hamler. Uh, you said last week speed kills. I mean, this guy's an absolute cheat. It's it's impossible to stick with him when he gets ahead of steam. He's perfect for the like postmodern NFL offense, you know, with with all these speed guys that are coming in, and especially this draft class with, again, the deep receiver class, but all these receivers seem to be just like lightning. And I absolutely love the help that they have gotten for Drew Locke as well. So, I mean, you have Cortland Sutton. uh, You have uh, Jerry Judy now. You have uh, KJ Hamler. You have Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, uh, Noah Fant. Later on in this draft, they take a um, the tight end Albert Okwengbaum. Uh, Oko- Let's just call him Alberto. <laughs> uh, right, right, Alberto, uh, another Missouri uh, Missouri tight end. So you get Drew Locke from Missouri, you get Noah Fant, and then you have this guy who played with Drew Locke at Missouri. And although uh, he he did impress with his forty, he's not. He's he's promising only because the chemistry that he has with Locke. That's very encouraging to me. But then let's go back to the third round cornerback, uh, Michael Ojemudia. Uh, he has shown the ability to be effective in zone coverage. And he has um, he's also shown the potential to be effective in press coverage as well, even though it was in a very small sample size. Round three, uh, later on, just uh, six picks later, center out of LSU, Lloyd uh, Cushenberry. He's very effective in the run game. He's not very agile. He might not be a plug-and-play right away, but he's definitely a promising uh, – He's he can be used for depth, or he's very promising for that offensive line for the future. Uh, later on in round three, again, three picks in the third round. Uh, defensive interior lineman uh, McTelvin Aguim. Great pass rushing skills in very small sample sizes, but he has shown that he has gotten consistently better throughout his career, his tenure uh, with um, – the Razorbacks, and then we went over uh, Albert O, and then round five, uh, you get a linebacker and interior alignment. Uh, I think that Natane Muti, he has the tools to be elite, but he did have issues with injury. Aside, if he can stay on the field, I think that he can, um, he can be something very special. And then late in round seven, they get uh, the edge defender, uh, Derek Tuska, who's got Great bend and acceleration off the line of scrimmage. Although he does lack a little bit of power, I think that 
it's something that he can definitely build throughout uh, his career as he grows older, as he grows more mature. Uh, he'll realize that he needs to do that. And I think that that's something that he can teach himself. But overall, I loved this entire Denver Broncos um, uh, draft class from the top down. A plus for me. What do you think? I love the Denver, Denver Broncos class as well. And the main thing is they kind of just filled out everything on offense, similar to what the Jets did overall. The Broncos just did that with their entire offense. You have Cortland Sutton already, who's your sort of who's your ex who's your ex receiver, to put it mildly. He can go get it with a jump ball. He can he can absolutely roast defenders in space. Um, he's not exactly the fastest of receivers, but he can just he's just that he's a, he's just that jump ball ex receiver that the Broncos need. And you draft two receivers who complement him perfectly. Right. And the thing is, I'm- exactly, and they don't. One won't get in the way of the other's development. Right. And the thing with that is, I think the Broncos weren't exactly concerned that Henry Ruggs could get drafted before them because their their logic was, why draft Henry Ruggs when you can get K.J. Hamler in round two? Right? Right. Exactly. K.J. Hamler or even – oh, no, no, he didn't make it that far. But, yeah, K.J. Hamler was there. And then you have a ton of other speed guys, but – Again, like going back to Chase Claypool only because he's my guy now. <laughs> if they had taken him running a four four two, putting him opposite Cortland Sutton, who's also a huge bodied receiver, and that that would that would honestly be amazing to me. But I, I still think like uh, Hamler was a better pick for them. But that that's just uh, a cool what if that could have been. We talked so, about yeah, Jerry Judy being the best route runner in this class, which I think he is. He does suffer from concentration drops at times. He does take at times he does take forever to get open. Those are two concerns, but the upside is there. Like if you want to play him in the slot, he's going to roast whichever AFC West cornerback is AFC West slot corner is matched up in man coverage on him. I guarantee it. Right. Slot right. corners good, are hard good to ones by. especially. And outside of Desmond King, I don't know a corner yeah. that can keep up with him in the AFC West, at least in the slot. And then if you have KJ Hamler at Z, that's right. just that's just bombs away from there. Like Kansas City, if you want to, if they want to score a touchdown every what two minutes, great. Denver can match that too. Just throw a deep ball to KJ Hamler, let him run under it, and it's six. Oh yeah, it's a complete and total arms race in that division. And Drew Lock, uh, I mentioned uh, earlier in the week. I can't remember which one, which podcast it was, but Drew Lock has shown great potential towards the end of last season. And I think it's really promising going into the future. So uh, who's your second? Uh, yeah. Team uh, going after choice? going, going. Um, yeah. I, who was my second team? Actually, I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers here mainly because okay. I think they, their draft was very unique, but that didn't, that doesn't make it not good. If that makes sense. It makes, it's an, a, it got an A plus for me. The Panthers, yeah, I wasn't in love with their draft class, but I'm interested to hear why. Uh, why you see liked the it. thing with the Panthers is their defense in 2019 was atrocious. It was like bottom four in almost every category. And what do they do? They they add piece after piece after piece just to improve it. And I think this also shows a little bit more confidence in in their offense with Teddy Bridgewater, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. All of those pieces. I think I think they're more confident and they were more confident in that element of their team heading into the draft. So let's just break this down real quick. Derek Brown at seventh overall. I do not hate the pick, even though they passed on Isaiah Simmons. In fact, I really do like it. 
They did need a piece at nose guard opposite K1 short, someone who could really anchor the line of scrimmage and stop and stop stop those run games in the NFC South. And Brown doesn't just present value as a run defender. He's an elite pass rusher. He re- he routinely wrecked pocket after pocket. I mean, Joe Burrow had his worst game against Auburn because Derrick Brown was in the backfield 24-7. But I don't know many guards or even mm-hmm. centers who can block against a guy like that for four straight quarters, let alone twice a year. Like the yeah. Saints, the Buccaneers, and the Falcons are all going to have their hands full with a guy like Derrick Brown because you can't move him. And if you have... Right. I mentioned him as uh, I Oh, yeah, I love that. Hicks. Because, because like Hicks, you can't move Brown. Like he's going to be an incredible run defender. He's going to wreck the pocket whenever whenever they leave him one-on-one against a guard, which I certainly hope they don't because that's a that's a disaster waiting to happen. Like, the Panthers completely hit it off because this is going to be a culture guy that leaves their locker room for years, and he's going to let us play do the talking as well. Uh, and mm-hmm. if we go on... I didn't love the fact that they... Sorry. I didn't love the fact that they pass on Isaiah Simmons uh, with Keekley retiring. I thought that that was a spot that they needed to fill. But Derek Brown is definitely uh, one of the top players in this draft. I think it's a great pick for them, even though I think that they should have gone with uh, filling the hole left by Luke Keekley. I I think that, you know, he, Derek Brown is still an amazing player, and you're right, he's going to he's gonna give – Lots of quarterbacks' problems, and he's going to stuff that uh, opposing team. I'll make the, the, I'll make the well. point about Keekley with the very next pick, but their duo of second rounders, I really, really like that, especially with Yitor Grossmatos at defensive end. So if you think about it at the moment, their mm-hmm. defensive line is Yitor Grossmatos, Derek Brown, Bravion Roy, who, who we'll get to later, and Brian Burns, their first round pick from last year. That's a heck of a pass rush. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many great passing offenses, right. especially in the NFC South. You have Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, um, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and Tom Brady and Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, that entire Buccaneers offense. You have all of that, and the Panthers build a defensive line just to stop, just to stop and make the lives of those quarterbacks hell. Right. Gross Matos has an amazing set. He has, of, he has uh, incredible upsides, not a doubt. Same thing with Derek Brown. But yeah. another pick that makes total sense is the Jeremy Chin pick in the second round. It's why draft Isaiah Simmons seventh overall when you can get a player like Jeremy Chin in the second round. They're very they're, they're a lot more sim, they're a lot more mm-hmm. similar than people would think, mainly because of skill set. If you really wanted to play Chin at linebacker, you probably could, even though he's what 210, 220. Only because he could run, he could make plays on opposite sides of the field. He's shown that he has the range to do that, and he could do it in the back end and closer to the line of scrimmage. It's all about how you wanted to play him, and especially with Trey Boston at free safety, who some Panthers fans still like, even though he's an aging veteran. I think you could you could deploy Chin sort of like a Derwin James kind of player, which is who we compared Isaiah Simmons to. And if they get that, if they get even close to the upside mm-hmm. that Derwin James offers for the Chargers in Carolina then that defense is going to be tough to compete with in 2020. They're going to be better than people say, for sure. Like, their division is ultra competitive, but I think at one point or another, the Panthers are going to show flashes of true potential for years to come. 
and couple that with their uh, secondary picks, Troy oh, Pride okay. and Kenny Robinson. Special teams guys who can contribute from day one, and in general, just depth. Like, we mentioned how Corn Elder was starting for the starting right. at the Panthers, cornerback two opposite Dante Jackson. So why not just add Troy Pride, who dominated at the Senior Bowl? Why not just put Pride opposite Jackson? Right. And then they, they took Stanley Thomas Oliver. Right, another seventh-round well. flyer yeah, who's going to get uh, playing time at special teams. So all in all, you just improve your defense and mm-hmm. get better gunners. Great draft for the Carolina Panthers. Like, they didn't spend an mm-hmm. entire pick on their offense, but that – that tells me more that they're more confident in their offense than they were in their defense, which is why they invested so heavily in it. Yeah, and you have uh, you have a great set of receiver set of young receivers there, and then of course you have Christian McCaffrey. I I think that um, they definitely have a promising future. So uh, on to my third and final uh, team that I loved, or not final team that I loved, but the third one that I uh, actually wrote down, and the last one that I gave an A plus. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. So, round one, right off the bat, favorite player in the draft goes to the Arizona Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. He's the most – It again, I, I said it before, I thought Carolina should have drafted him, but Derek Brown, great pick for them. It's neither here nor there. He fell to Arizona at eight. Uh, he is the most versatile player in this draft, and he has superhuman af- athleticism off the charts like I've never seen. I mentioned last week I thought he was a like a mix of Derwin James and Jamal Adams in that he's versatile. He can play edge defender, linebacker, safety, and he has the explosiveness. He played 100 and or more snaps at linebacker, strong safety, free safety, slot cornerback, and edge rusher, and he was uber effective in every single aspect. Uh, and also I think it's very encouraging – when you have a unicorn like him, that Arizona wants to use him the way that he was used at Clemson. So, again, not enough that you can say about this guy. He's an absolute home run pick for uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, in the first round at number eight. Then let's go. They didn't have a second-round pick. But on to round three, uh, tackle Josh Jones out of Houston. Tremendous value pick. He was my fourth-ranked uh, offensive tackle. He has starting experience, over 600 snaps makes him a plug-and-play right away for, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. And he, was, he ascended every season uh, in, of his career in Houston, and especially in his last season. Then on to round four, they had two picks, uh, Leckie Fotu and Richard Lawrence. Uh, Fotu, he's ginormous, and he can move all over the line of scrimmage. And Richard Lawrence is another great addition to that defensive line. Uh, you have Chandler Jones there. You have Fotu there. And then uh, they got good – um, a good sixth and seventh round flyers and Evan Weaver and Eno Benjamin out of uh, Cal and Arizona State. So I thought that they had an amazing draft, A plus for me. Last my last A plus team. The Cardinals, what are your thoughts on the similar Cardinals? to the Cowboys, they they went for best player available, but they did it, but they got such insane value that they managed to fill every need anyway. Isaiah Simmons, oh yeah. Yeah, and fantastic. It worked like, for them. It Steve Kime so Cliff well. Kingsbury have turned the Arizona Cardinals into a playoff contender next year, honestly. I, I, I think they're probably going to be in my playoff list, for sure. Oh, yeah. Because, because one, oh, you have to consider yeah. that with the loss of a second-round pick, you get DeAndre freaking Hopkins. Like, the DeAndre, the DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins, the best wide receiver in the NFL for the cost of, what, a second-round pick in David Johnson, who you weren't even going to play. And... 
you still have Kenyon Drake starting at running right who's lethal in terms of that sort of slashing in certain terms of that sort of I'm going to put my foot in the ground and slash from side to side very laterally quick runner who fits their RPO game and overall their offense just looks fantastic they have incredible depth at receiver they drafted Josh Jones um to play either left tackle or right tackle I think you could play him either way but I'd probably put him at left because that's where he's more comfortable and then move DJ Humphreys to right. And, and to fill out their offense, they drafted Eno Benjamin in the seventh round, who I definitely thought was a value pick. Uh, He's going to compete for running back three. And with all the injuries, the Cardinals suffered at the position last year before Kenyon Drake broke out. This pick just makes too much sense. I don't know how they're going to rotate their backfield, but with Chase Edmonds, Eno Benjamin and Kenyon Drake, all vulturing touches I think this offense is set to do great things. And now moving, I'm staring at the Cardinals depth chart right now. They have Simmons listed at safety and at will linebacker. As sorry, as the number two safety and at will linebacker. Beautiful. I don't know how they're going to use him. I'd honestly play him at linebacker only because he has, like Jeremy Chin, he has the range to play both sides. He's a freak athlete, and he can literally do everything for your defense. So playing him right next to Jordan Hicks, I think that's a fantastic move because Hicks is your mic and Simmons can play Will. And then in their 3-4, you have Chandler Jones and Sam. I don't know who's going to play Jack, but you have Chandler Jones and Sam who can rush the passer at an elite level. So there's your sort of quote-unquote pass rush along with Jordan Phillips who's going to play nose tackle for them. You have Lucky Fotu and Rashard Lawrence who were perfect value picks. They're both going to anchor on that defensive line and just add us more depth uh, across from uh, Zach Allen, who they drafted in the third round last year. And finally, Evan Weaver, more more special teams help, and he's probably going to be their third or fourth string linebacker. So overall, just fantastic job by the Cardinals. Drafted best player available and managed to fill all of their needs all in one draft. They're in perfect position to contend for the NFC West, and quite honestly, right. I, I would call them the second best team in the division. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would. And um, I remember all the hate that Cliff Kingsbury got for uh, for when when he was picked as their next head coach because everyone's like, he got fired from his alma mater and he never won anywhere. And I he was he couldn't even win with uh, Patrick Mahomes when he was uh, I when he was uh, coaching him. And I I said I'm like, listen, this is the new type of coach for the NFL, like uh, like it or not. And then he automatically turned that around last year by making Kyler Murray uh, and he, Kyler Murray had an amazing rookie season. He's going to be, and looking at that, that playboy mansion, tremendous. That, yeah. was, be- that was a beautiful picture. I, I'm sure you saw it. <laughs> He's going to turn that opinion, that opinion of him right around as soon as he starts winning with this team. I can't wait to see what he does with this offense. In our redraft for uh, for the sports wave, I picked uh, Arizona as my offense for both teams. I love Arizona's offense. I love Cliff Kingsbury. I love Kyler Murray. I love DeAndre Hopkins. Fitzgerald is still there. I like Kenyon Drake. I love what they did with their defense. I love everything that they've done in this draft class. A plus, beautiful. Um, the Go third ahead, favorite team third. that I had. Uh, well, this isn't necessarily an order. These are just three teams I really liked. But to top it all off, how about those Minnesota Vikings? Like, I think the number of picks that they were able to accumulate mm-hmm. just in one draft, yeah, no, it was ridiculous because they just kept <laughs> on trading ridiculous. back and kept on getting great values. 
They got Justin Jefferson in the first round, who I really liked. I think he was wide receiver seven on my board. Um, right, wait, hold, hold on one, one second. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, yep. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, got, 15 I think picks they got like an extra fourth round for next year as well. So they've already began stacking up for that. Justin Jefferson, yeah, no, Justin Jefferson is a fantastic, fantastic right. wide receiver. He's an unbelievable route runner from the slot. And he's he's more athletic than we thought. He has great hands. I I, I want to say he's the ultimate route runner up there with Jerry Judy and Van Jefferson, but I think he has more. I think he definitely has more upside than yeah. Jefferson. And he and this, this is his perfect fit because he's a better wide receiver two than wide receiver one. And with and it's exactly route running is exactly what you need. He may he may not be as athletic as Diggs was, but. If he if he has even ninety percent of the route running acumen that Diggs had in Minnesota, I think the Vikings offense doesn't miss a beat. Quite honestly, he's very athletic. He's fantastic after the catch. There are some questions about his mm-hmm. motor, but I think that's all going to get fixed at the pro pro level. It's not the biggest deal. It's not Malik McDowell that we're talking about here. And uh, moving on to their second pick, Jeff Gladney, the right. cornerback from TCU. I had him mo- I had him mocked to the Cowboys at seventeenth overall because I did not know that CD Lamb was going to be available. And the Cowboys needed a corner. He was my third-ranked corner, and for good reason. He's a very physical corner, which you know the Vikings really love. He's a he's a fantastic press corner who can match yeah. match who can shadow your best receiver, match every every route, stem and release. His only issue is that he doesn't turn his head, and sometimes because of his over aggressiveness, he tends to get called for holding and pass interference penalties. He's he's pretty athletic, not fantastic, but he has the athleticism to thrive at the next level. And and you can sort of call his stature small. He's 5'11", but ideally that's kind of what you want in your press corner, someone who can just get in the way of receivers, just get in the way of receivers in the football and making Aaron Rodgers and whoever Chicago's quarterback is in Matthew Stafford's lives a lot harder is the first step for the Vikings to sort of contend for the division title, especially mm-hmm. with Xavier Rhodes giving up 83% of the passes targeted his way last season. Right. I mean, Gladney, he's small, and the surgery for the torn meniscus, bad. The size, not even that bad, actually. But the torn meniscus, bad. But the teams, the team that is willing to get over that hump, the team that's willing to get past those concerns, will ultimately end up reaping great rewards in the end. I think that was... Uh, and moving uh, on to their second rounder, they Minnesota. got Ezra Cleveland tackle out of Boise State. Another great pick. You just you just throw him on the... You just throw him opposite yeah, Brian like O'Neill so, to the point where he just starts at left tackle over Riley Reef, who's not very good in the first place. So, with Cleveland, you get a, you get a fantastic pass and right. run blocker. I don't think he's as high upside as some of the tackles in the first round, but he's definitely got a decent enough floor to the point where... You know he'll get the job done. He's just not going to be an all-pro. And if I'm the Vikings, that's all right. I'm asking for, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a pick for the future, but he has the potential. Right, and their next a, uh, uh, and their next string right of picks: Cameron Dantzler, DJ Wanham, James Lynch, and Troy Dye. The last three picks are all about depth. James Lynch made uh, All-American at Baylor. He was another Matt Rule product. So that's another, I think he's probably going to get converted either to three tech 
because he's a giant for a 4-3 defensive end. And with Wanham, that's probably the guy who they start opposite Daniel Hunter with the departure of Everson Griffin. Once again, all guys who can who are probably going to contribute as rotational players from day one. But this Cameron Dantzler pick, I really liked that because mm-hmm. I don't know where, they got, where they're going to play him, but I know he's going to be fantastic. Mainly because... That's the one receiver in the S- one corner of the SEC who held Jamar Chase to I want to say an average game. I charted that entire game. I caught I got what two catches for about maybe 15 yards and against Jamar Chase, who was the best receiver in college football last year. This is the one corner who didn't even miss a beat against that high-powered LSU offense. So getting him in the third round was perfect value. And you could argue that getting Troy died, the linebacker from Oregon, mm-hmm. sort of, I think they're going to play him at will because Eric Kendricks is their mic. I think that's fantastic value once again, because die die was probably one of the better coverage linebackers in this entire draft. So pulling a guy like that in the fourth round is just that that's just your ideal will linebacker. And I don't think die should have been there, especially in the fourth round. And we move on to their sort of other set of picks, right. uh, starting with Harrison Hand and P.J. Osborne in the fifth. Once again, not much to say here. It's just getting more special teams help and more depth at wide receiver with the losses of Stephon Diggs, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, and Xavier Rhodes. Once again, by letting some free agents go and acquiring extra players throughout the draft, you just trade. You just keep trading down, which is what the Vikings did, and you add more and more players. And if we move on to the sixth round here with Blake Brandle, Josh Metellus, and I'll, I'll throw in their seventh round picks anyway, Kenny Willekes, the defensive end for Michigan State, Nate Stanley, developmental backup quarterback from Iowa, Brian Cole, another uh, special teams aide at Gunner, and Kyle Hinton, another guard, more guard depth out of Washburn. This is just all about getting depth and uh, special teams help. You, they, They've done a fantastic job maximizing Kirk Cousins with talent so far, and I think this draft just capped it off. Right. Yeah, great uh, great job for them. So let's move on to our least favorite now. So my first least favorite team, uh, I gave them a D. It was the lowest grade I gave any team. Going to go with the Green Bay Packers. I, I don't ex- – I really have no freaking idea what they were doing with this draft. They seemed elated at every single pick that they had, and I just didn't see it. So immediately, round one, quarterback Jordan Love in a vacuum. I like the idea of beginning to look for a replacement for Rodgers. I wish my Steelers would do the same for Roethlisberger. But when you have a 13-win team and you have this ridiculous wide receiver draft class and you're desperate to find that two receiver, all you have are big body projects like Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It makes absolutely zero sense to me to draft the replacement for Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers is still there and won 13 games last year. I, I said earlier in the week, I don't think that their record was as good. Uh, I, I don't think that they were as good as their record would say. However, it still makes no sense to me when you have Aaron Rodgers playing at the level that he's playing and you need to surround him with talent. Then the second round, and an attempt to mitigate that, I guess, when you have all those uh, – I forget if KJ Hamler was still on the board, but I know Denzel Mims was still on the board. And you take A.J. Dillon, awful pick in my opinion. I mean, most people know my distaste for running backs, but choosing this running back with these circumstances of wide receivers available, 
with also the circumstances of having a running back that doesn't need help. You have Aaron Jones. And I remember that they were talk uh, they were talking about his ability to catch out of the backfield. Aaron Jones can do that, number one. Jamal Williams can also do that, number two. So I don't see the big I, – I, he's a bruising running back. Great. He was extremely overdrafted, in my opinion. And it's absolutely dumbfounding to me that they picked him. Round three, tight end Josiah DeGuara out of Cincinnati. Decent route runner, but he's small. I think that he was a little overdrafted. Round five, uh, Kamal Martin out of Minnesota. Round six, uh, John Runyon. I think that he's only good for depth. They, they went offensive line three picks in a row, and none of them were anyone uh, that is going to make an immediate impact. Josh Jones is on the board for most of these guys, I think. And all three of them are pretty much only good for depth. So I hated this Green Bay Packers draft all around. I uh, I don't think there's anything good you can say about it except you have you do have a quarterback ready to come in when Aaron and he has a, a couple years to sit behind Rodgers. But you can't draft you can't go 15 years without taking a skill position player and then the first skill position player you take is a replacement for a player that you've struggled surrounding with talent the his entire career in a draft class where there's a ton of talent that you can surround him with to help him out directly. Didn't make any sense to me. Nothing about this draft makes sense to me for them. So uh, you go ahead. Yeah, no, the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers were another team who I had on my list, but I took off because of overlap. But their draft sucked. Like, it was beyond terrible. It, like, you, uh, like you said with the Jordan Love pick, it doesn't make sense to replace a quarterback who is in who, in my opinion, is still playing at a very high level I mean, the Packers yeah. did go thirteen and three. I think it was thirteen and three last year. They and went, yeah, they went thirteen and three. Aaron Rodgers had forty five hundred yards, uh, less than five picks again, twenty something touchdowns. I I don't. I think his stats were a little better than he played, and I think that their uh, their record was a little better than the team played as a whole. However, you still have Aaron Rodgers, who is probably the second most talented quarterback of all time out of uh, outside of Patrick Mahomes. I I, I don't get it. And he hasn't declined that much. Agree. No, I, I completely agree. And this is not the same thing as when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes to be Alex Smith's replacement. The difference right. there was Alex Smith held the team back because of because of his lack of a deep ball. So you needed a guy yeah. who can who can throw the ball at every depth of target on the field. Thus, they drafted Patrick Mahomes, sat him a whole year, and then he became um, the mo- he became the best football player in the entire world. So, <laughs> yeah, no, arguably for sure, probably the most yeah. talented player I've ever seen on a football field. But no, Jordan Love is a Jordan Love can be a very talented quarterback, and this is a situation that works in his favor. However, mm-hmm. it does not make any sense to to go after Rogers' replacement, especially when you're trying to go for a ring. It doesn't make any sense. So it's, it's, it's a rebuild pick when the team is in win-now mode, which doesn't make sense. Right. So either they're not happy with Rodgers' play, which doesn't make sense in my opinion. He was fine last year. Or they want to, or they maybe even want to get rid of Rodgers maybe just to save cap space. I don't know. I have no explanation for that pick. They just gave him the contract, though. Yeah, no, it was they gave him the contract, like and then the deal? guy puts up 13 wins, and then you're like, oh, screw you. We're done. That, that, yeah. that, there's no logic there. Yeah, and Matt, I, mean, I think Matt Lafleur clearly doesn't. Lafleur, <laughs> he clearly doesn't like Rodgers. 
Yeah, I, I heard about there. There were there was um, chemistry concerns even from the get go for that team last year. They still managed to end up end up going thirteen and three because of the amount of talent they had. But why on earth would you draft a replacement quarterback? And furthermore, to add injury to insult, this is Aaron Rodgers is not going to be happy about this pick. By no, any not means. at all. He is not at all. He's a great football player. He's not a great teammate. That is no. He's definitely I, not a great teammate. I think he'll have a little bit of appreciation for I uh, or I think that he'll have a little more compassion given the lack of empathy that he received from Brett Favre when this situation was happening with him. So I don't think that he's going to be as uh, I don't think that he's going to be as bad about dealing with it on a personal basis with Jordan Love that Favre was. However, I think he has all the right to feel soured about it. That it, it's I, it's an I, inexplicable I it. pick. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And uh, moving on to their round two guy who you mentioned, A.J. Dillon, which is a reach. I had A.J. Dillon graded as my running back 10. Yeah, he's, he's, a, like, he's, he's a reach by, like, by definition. He's the definition of a reach. Yeah, Cam Akers had gone what, like eight <laughs> picks before. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went in the first round. DeAndre Swift went in the top of the two. Um, I think Dobbins was off the board four picks before. And you have... And, and Jonathan Taylor went at the top of the two as well. So you still have Zach Moss, who, by the way, wasn't taken until a whole round later, and who I think is a much, much better running back than A.J. Dillon. And you pass yeah. on him for a guy who sucks in pass, bro, who doesn't have any incredible talent besides just fighting through contact, who's not very elusive, and whose game is all about just power and the fact that he's... And, whose game is all about power and nothing else. He's the ideal, I'm going to run you over and you can't do anything about it. He's that kind of Either back. way, what the hell are you doing taking a running back when you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? One, You already have a two-headed monster. One thing You need be... to build up that receiver core. Right, yeah. They didn't draft a single wide receiver the entire draft, which really annoyed me even more. It's the same argument I'll make about the New England Patriots, who we'll discuss later. Um... So yeah, Dylan is not, Dylan's just going to run over you, and he pretty much has nothing else to his game. He has decent vision, I guess, but the fact that he's not elusive sort of does, um, it, it sort of hampers down his ability to to see wide open lanes and run through them. Mainly because he, once again, he's not very elusive. And yeah. what the one argument I could see for this pick is the fact that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both on contract years, but they're both much, much better running backs than A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon does not serve as a replacement for either of these guys, without a doubt. And going on to the Josiah Deguara pick, I've seen him projected as a fullback at the next level. And sure, <laughs> he has some traits, I guess, that that may make you like him, at that, that might warrant this pick in the third round. But one, he's a terrible run blocker. He runs solid routes. He struggles against man coverage. Sure, he can get separation against zone, and he has potential if top blocking correctly. And he is very strong, which is the entire reason why this fullback option is even discussed with him. Just why? Why are you drafting a tight end who's probably going to move to fullback in the third round? One, Green Bay's tight ends haven't contributed for years. And two, you're drafting a freaking fullback in the third round. Like, what are you doing? Like, Com- completely overdrafted. He's a decent route runner, but he's small. He's 6'3". You don't want a 6'3 tight end. Exactly. Like, Steelers, again, to go back to Chase Claypool, 
Chase Claypool six four. He's my he's my next wide receiver. You know? Yeah. What what are you doing? It. <laughs> it's just frustrating. Holy crap! It's just frustrating. If I we just, go on about this. I feel like we could talk about this in this Packers draft class for a whole hour just because of how bad it was. Uh, yeah. They, I'll I'll let you go. I'll let you go next. Uh, right after this, I totally forgot about the Bears. <laughs> I didn't put the Bears on my three. Did you put the Bears? No, I didn't put the Bears on my three either. Christ, it's I, it's oh. surprising how I found three teams who apparently had more drafts who who had drafts I didn't like more than the Bears because I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't a fan I, of the Bears. Too. I totally forgot about them. Do you want to discuss the Bears anyway, or um, let Let's go through what we have, and then if we have time, we'll we'll discuss it for a very for a little bit. Right, and the first team I'm gonna go uh, go off on for what I thought was a terrible draft class. I gave I gave this like a low C. It's gonna be the Seattle Seahawks, and the name of the game this year for the Seahawks, for some weird reason, was we're gonna reach on every single peg, and we don't care where the values line up. Jordan Brooks in the first round, he's a good football player, but he's not Patrick mm-hmm. Queen, who was still on the board yeah. and went one pick later to the Baltimore Ravens. I lost it on stream, on live stream when I record when um, I reacted to this first round because I just didn't think he was worth the twenty seventh overall pick, especially when you could have traded down and got him about fifteen picks later. Brooks is a good football player. Yeah. He's a tackling He's, machine. He doesn't. He doesn't play that well in space. Exactly. And he doesn't make and he doesn't make plays in. Cover. Exactly. No. He. he so sucks, what, what are you doing? He there? sucks at anticipating, and pretty much anti- lack of anticipation means. Bad run fits, and he's not going to be in his gap. So that's asking to get run over. And especially with teams like Arizona and San Francisco and L.A. in the division who run very ambiguous passing attacks, he's going he's, he's gonna to be the linebacker who's out of place against those naked bootlegs where George Kittle is streaking wide open on a 30-yard post route. He's going to be the guy who's lost, and he's not going to contribute from day one. He's very raw. And this pick would have made sense 15, maybe 15 to – uh, 18 picks later, where they drafted Daryl Taylor, who I'll go off on even more in just a second. This pick would have made more sense <laughs> there, but I have no freaking idea why they drafted Jordan Brooks 27th overall. He doesn't fill a need at Will Linebacker. You already have Cody Barton there, and he's not a Sam. He He's not going to be able to take on blocks because he sort of just tries to wiggle in and out of them rather than rather than just taking them on at, at the point of attack. So As of late... Seattle has been one of the worst drafting teams in the NFL. For sure. They just can't hit on early round picks. And no, yeah, not at all. And it's a testament to how good Russell Wilson is. I, I heard this quote on, on a live stream for another podcast. It is a testament for, to how good Russell Wilson is that this team is a playoff team every single season. Because without oh, him, yeah. they would be dead in the water. This would be like a 3-13 and 13 team, especially with the roster they have. Yeah. This is not a good team. You got Rashad Penny a couple oh, years ago in the first oh. round. You mentioned Malik McDowell oh, earlier. Oh, God. Like they, this team just can't. You're right. They can't take early round, early round guys. And with LJ Collier, and I, I liked Malik McDowell coming out because I'm, I'm a huge Michigan State fan. My dad went there. I loved watching them growing up. Malik McDowell was. Uh, I loved him coming out. I, I, I kept saying to myself, I'm like, I'm like, where is this guy? He's invisible on the football field. Right. No, McDowell had a lot of upside. It's just he was very raw, which doesn't make it a bad pick. But when you look at the outcome, it's terrible. Like, he got in some car yeah. accident, and now uh, I don't know what he's doing. 
So there's that. And with Jordan Brooks here, like, I just don't understand what their thought process is. If they want to play him at will and replace KJ, I guess. But again, do you, it's a similar argument that I made with the Packers. Why do you want to take a raw talent when you're, when you're trying to contend for a championship? You want guys who can help you from day one, who can bolster roster spots just so you can fill up as many holes as humanly possible. There's a chance that Brooks ends up as more of a liability from day one than a true contributor because he's so raw. He's a good football player, but this is the NFL that we're talking about. Being an, being an all Big 12 player at Texas Tech doesn't tell me anything, especially when it's Texas Tech and he's in the Big 12. Like, sure, he was a tackling machine, but is he going to contribute from day one? Highly doubt it. And moving on to their second pick, which I hated even more because I watched this guy and – and they traded, traded up, up for him. him. Exactly. <laughs> Made the pick even worse. He traded up for this guy when – I'll just be quite honest here. I watched Daryl Taylor. I wanted him for my team in the third round, in the mid-third round. Trading up for him at the in the first half of the second makes absolutely zero sense. They gave up picks for a raw talent who sucked against every single NFL caliber player he went up against. He has – he – he has decent bend. He has good burst. He is fine in coverage. He can set the edge against the run game. Sure. But he can't rush the passer at an elite level. He doesn't have any sort of pass rush moves, if that makes any sense. 8.5 sacks yeah. in the SEC. Somewhat impressive. Sure. But he had one against teams that had above average NFL caliber tackles. Isaiah Wilson destroyed him. Jedrick Wills destroyed him. Andrew Thomas he struggled mightily against all three of those players. And yet the Seahawks decide to trade up because they think they know something we don't. Like, what is there, what is there to like about Daryl Taylor besides the upside? The upside is good, the but... E- the egocentrism of the Seahawks front office, when you trade up, you're saying that I'm, be- I'm so much better than this at you that I- I'm going to move up to take this player who, you know, I see something that you don't. I'm I'm a lot smarter than you are, so let me just wiggle in here and just take this guy right here because I, I know that he's going to be worth all of the all of the stuff that I'm giving up to move up to I'm get. I'm pretty sure the Jets got an extra, what, like a fourth or fifth round pick out of this, and they, they added someone else to contribute to their phenomenal draft class like we discussed earlier. But back to Taylor. Mm-hmm. I scouted the guy myself. I, I liked him as a developmental player who could thrive in the right system. Seattle does not develop their pass rushers. All of their pass rushes come from free agency signings and trades for elite players on cheap contracts. John Schneider is a fantastic GM with this, but I just don't see why you had the need to trade up for a guy like Daryl Taylor. If you would have taken him at 64 or with your first third round pick, I'm all for it. Go ahead, honestly. But in the second round, where you want guys to contribute from day one, the pick just makes absolutely no sense. And he didn't have flashes mm-hmm. against good good SEC teams with actual offensive linemen. BYU doesn't count. I don't even know if they're in the SEC. Tennessee doesn't count. Well, he played for Tennessee. BYU doesn't count. Alabama-Birmingham does not count. So, with that in mind, like, what is the need to take him so early? It just makes absolutely no sense, and I hate the team for doing this. And moving on to their next Mm -hmm. pick. Sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here. I live in Seattle, and I've been subjected to how the Seahawks draft apparently wasn't as bad as as what the media says. Which (laughs) I live I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm a Steeler fan. 
So I, I have to deal with the Giants and Jets usually telling me that their draft classes have been amazing. I'm this year. I thought that they were both. They both did an amazing job. But in the past, it's not easy to uh to exactly. Them. And this <laughs> this round three pick was a head scratcher, not because I didn't like Damian Lewis, but because once again they just passed up on talent. Like Lloyd Cushenberry the third was still on the board here. The LSU center who made Joe Burrow's life so much easier than than so much easier, still on the board, and you pass on him just to take Damian Lewis, who is a good player. Keep that in mind. But yesterday, they cut Justin Britton, mm-hmm. DJ Fluker. Who the hell is going to start for them at center? Who is starting for the Seahawks at center? You're in a division with Aaron Donald, Javon Kinlaw at the moment, Eric Armstead, who can play a defensive tackle, Jordan Phillips with the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and multiple rotational pass rushers who are all better than Joey freaking Hunt, who at the moment is started to start at center. Yeah, It makes no sense. Why wouldn't you take Cushenberry? Like, sure, they needed guard. Yeah. I agree. But you can't pass on a talent like, like Lloyd Cushenberry. It makes absolutely no sense to me, once again. The name of the game has been reached so far with taking Brooks over Patrick Queen, Daryl Taylor over AJ Epinesa, and now Damian Lewis over Lloyd Cushenberry. <sighs> okay, moving on to their sort of day three picks. I really like their Colby Parkinson pick because he's going to be a great red zone threat for them. And the fact that he's 6'7", Runs decent routes, makes me think he can be a mismatch in the slot against uh dime against either smaller linebackers or um or maybe short fast safeties. Either one way or another, he's gonna get his mismatches. It's like what the sixth tight end Seattle's added, so I have no idea what they're gonna do with the position afterwards, but Parkinson's gonna be on that team. Yeah. Uh, he's got a massive catch radius and he's a great red zone threat. He doesn't give you a lot else, but with those two things. I, you know, they, they offer a lot of, um, a lot of upside for a team like them. For sure. And the next pick, the DJ Dallas pick, uh, out of Miami, the running back just tells me one thing. This team is moving on from Chris Carson, whether it's now or in the near future. I, I think they have too many running backs on the roster to sign him to a lucrative deal. And I agree with that move. Honestly, don't sign Chris Carson. Why sign Chris Carson when you have three years left of Rashad Penny and you Exactly. Right, and why, why, why sign? Why get you shouldn't give money to running backs if you have exactly. Money. And with Rashad Penny on under contract for three more years, Travis Homer can be sort of their their the, sort of the back that fills in. I forget what the term is for that kind of running back that that just fills in for a player or two, and then um, third down running back. Yeah, I think that's what it. It's it's no, it's not third down running back. It's a different name, but. It, I'm blanking on it at the moment, but it'll probably come back to me. Um, but yeah, Dallas is more of a gadget tool than Travis Homer. So he's probably going to get some touches in the receiving game. Going to get maybe five or six carries per game. One way or another, I liked this pick, but I, I didn't think it was necessary, if that makes any sense. And moving on to their Alton right. Robinson pick, once again, just another depth signing at edge. He's probably going to be another rotational body. He's probably just going to be another rotational body who's going to, who might contribute. Probably not going to contribute from day one. Might contribute maybe uh, one or two years down the line. But once again, it fills a need, so I guess I can't be too mad at it. The Freddie Swain pick, the wide receiver out of Florida, very, very underrated. Um, whenever I watched game tape of an SEC corner like Noah I, Christian Fulton, guys like that, 
CJ well, CJ Henderson played for Florida, so that doesn't make much sense. Freddie Swain popped off the screen. This kid is very, very underrated. And I think he was part of the reason why the Florida passing game had so much success last year. I like this pick mainly because he can compete with John Ursua for the slot receiver. It fills a need. Great value. Makes sense. Now, their final pick, it's a seventh rounder, Ooh. so I guess I can't say too much about it. I didn't understand the need to trade up for Steven Sullivan. Like, one, he's the second best tight end on LSU. You took him over Thad Moss of all tight ends. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that honestly. Yeah, like, why take him over Thad Moss? And two, he's not even built like a tight end. He's built more like a sort of like a mix between a wide receiver and a tight end. And it doesn't make sense. You have like, what, seven tight ends on your roster now. Like, what are you going to do with all that talent? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Bears. It's definitely not as bad as the Bears. Um, so he's probably going to contribute from special teams probably from day one. Because, once again, he, he's an, he, ha- he has some decent athleticism. But I just didn't see the need. Once again, I think that's the motto with this entire Seahawks draft. From reaching on Brooks, who can't anticipate routes, who can't get off blocks, and who's and who probably just won't be able to contribute from day one to Daryl Taylor, who doesn't have much, who doesn't have very many pass rush moves in his arsenal over Epinesa, who has a lot higher upside. But back to Taylor once again, very little yeah. pass rush moves, struggled against every NFL talent he went up against. Damian Lewis, Lewis over Christian Mary. Like, it just doesn't – this entire draft is just like a what the hell are you doing, Seattle Seahawks? Help your quarterback, please. And I think yeah. every team in the NFC West got a lot better except for the Seattle Seahawks, which makes this draft even more of an L for them. But, yeah, do you have any thoughts on the Seahawks or uh, – rant over, by the way. No, you pretty much – yeah, you pretty much <laughs> – you pretty much laid it all out there. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I – it's – the most glaring thing for me – Honestly, besides the Jordan Brooks pick, which made no sense to me, was picking Stephen Sullivan over Thaddy over Thad Moss. Ha- why? <laughs> what, what what is the what are you accomplishing there? Did you forget that he was a person? Like exactly. Like why would you not take the more athletic tight end who can probably contribute more to your football team in the receiving game than Stephen Sullivan ever will, and who can probably be a better blocker than Sullivan? Why would you take Stephen Sullivan over Thad Moss? Doesn't make any sense in my head. Also, men- mentor is the most talented receiver that the game has ever seen. Exactly. Yeah, doesn't make sense. All right, so I'm going to move on to my uh, second worst team. We'll try and move a little bit faster now, so we can uh, say something about the Bears at the end. So, Houston Texans didn't have a first round pick. Round two, Ross Blacklock at a TCU. He's a good athlete. He's not fundamentally sound at all whatsoever. And he lacks the repertoire. He lacks the tools of a player at the defensive interior position. He's a good project, but in a second-round pick, you're not looking for a project defensive interior lineman. You're looking for an impact player right off the bat. Round three, edge, Jonathan uh, Grinard out of Florida. There's (laughs) – I don't know if you know the story behind this, but there's there's nothing more – there's not a more Bill O'Brien-esque situation – than accidentally drafting someone you didn't want because you thought he was going to get traded off. Oh, and the did that actually happen? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So he was – supposedly he was irate because I think that they were supposed to uh, – that pick was supposed to be traded 
to the Jets, and then the <laughs> I think it was the Jets, and then the Jets decided last minute that they didn't want to do it. So apparently he was like ballistic. He went furious because of this, but it could not be a more Bill O'Brien type situation. Far, far reach of a pick out of uh, edge defender out of Florida. And he just lacks the athleticism that you want out of an edge defender in a class. I, Epinesa, I think, was still no, no, Epinesa had gone. Epinesa correct, had gone. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, okay. If that if that was the case, it would have been even worse. But still, there were other guys that you could have taken here. Way too far of a reach. You go O line uh, with your next pick in Charlie Heck. Don't really have much to say about that. But then uh, later in the fourth round, you take cornerback John Reed out of uh, Penn State. I like that one. It's a good value pick. It addresses the slot issue that they've been having. He's a great athlete, and he's perfect for his zone-heavy scheme. He uh, he has good press coverage skills. He did um, – it wasn't a very limited sample size, though. He only allowed six catches on 18 total targets um, in press coverage last season. He, he is more of a zone-heavy uh, corner. You trust him more in that area, but he definitely does – possess the uh, man coverage skills, even if it was uh, a very small sample size. Round five, Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island, another uh, receiver in this stacked class. I don't have much to say about him. I didn't love – I gave them a C. Now, compared to the Packers and uh, and the Seahawks, this is not not close, really, I don't think. But nonetheless – with I think they did well in the bottom end of the draft. However, the top end of the draft, it just leaves a lot to be to be wanted. You take an interior lineman, you take an edge rusher, you're trying to stack up that defensive line, and you just at the top of the draft and you just completely struck out, in my opinion. Uh, what what are your thoughts? I was more disappointed that they didn't draft a receiver who could stay on the field for more than six games, quite honestly. Brandon Cooks has had his fair mm-hmm. fair history with concussions. Fair share of uh, it, injury history with concussions. Right. Will Fuller cannot stay on the field for more than eight games just because you know something's going to happen to him, even though he's fantastic, even even when he is. Right. Like, he's a great people, right? Yeah, no, it sucks. So sad. Yeah, when, when he plays, he changes the, the uh, complexion of that offense. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins isn't there anymore, so undoubtedly it's going to change regardless. But... I mean, Will Fuller is just when he's on the field. That that whole it still amazes me how they didn't get a first round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Moving on, um, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) um, I was okay with the cornerback and the offensive. I was fine with the. I was fine with the cornerback pick, the John Reed pick out of Penn State, mainly because they do need some help at corner with the. I think Jonathan Joseph retired, if I remember correctly. So they do need some depth there. The Isaiah mm-hmm. Coulter pick out of Rhode Island. Apparently, he's going to play in the slot. Something I heard. So, I heard something about that. And with the Blacklock and the Grenard yeah. pick, I, I like the Blacklock pick honestly a lot more than other people. Just because Houston lost DJ Reader, and I don't know how they're going to use Blacklock. But if they really want him to take on double teams at the point of the at the point of attack, go ahead, put him at nose. Honestly, why not? Yeah. And, I think he's a great project, but for Houston, they're, they're, they were in the playoffs. You want players that are going to help you out right now, and what I just is- don't think he's that guy. I think he could help for the future, but the way that Bill O'Brien is completely tearing this team apart, there's not going to be much left of this team. Who doesn't have any incentive to stay? So, Zero incentive. He's not going to win. Exactly. He's not, he knows why he's not going to win. Why would, 
And one more yeah. thing here. This is a this is sort of a um, a flaw I kind of had with both the Packers and the Texans draft. Why on earth are you passing up on Donovan Peoples-Jones, even the sixth? Like, why are you, why are you taking Isaiah Coulter exactly. over Donovan Peoples-Jones? Why? If, I, if, did he get signed? He got drafted in the sixth to the Browns. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought he didn't get signed like, yeah. at all. Great. Another another uh, another oh, Michigan boy. player for the Browns. <laughs> I'm a Michigan State fan and a Steeler fan. So every time the Browns uh, take one of those guys, it's not. Yeah, no, a, I had Donovan exactly Peoples-Jones graded very highly. I, I like him as a diamond in the rough. I'm just wondering why on earth Houston decided to pass, and, and Green Bay for that matter of fact, when both teams needed quality, dependable number one receivers. Like just why? Yeah, Donovan Donovan Peoples Jones is top fifteen receiver. I not even close. Yeah, like it's not even it's not even a question. He's a big body. He's got the ball skills. He's got the route running. He's uh he's he he does spe- he plays special teams. He's as very funny. I I wa- yeah I watched him play a lot because I watch more Big Ten than anything. He he is a very very complete player. He's not he's not great at everything like of course like a CD Lamb or uh, a Jerry Judy to a lesser effect but he is good at everything and if he can improve on those aspects he's going to sure. be an amazing player. Yeah, no, Donovan Peoples Jones was a was a steal in the 6th round for the Cleveland Browns. But moving on, yeah, they didn't draft mm. a wide receiver. So it, it kind of scares me because I don't like where their passing games at especially with a bunch of guys who are expected to get injured. So like yeah, Kenny Stills, Will Brandon Fuller, Cheeky QT, who always Brandon gets injured Cooks. every year. Yeah, Ugh. like yeah, this this offense is just right. a train wreck outside of Deshaun Watson, quite honestly. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson is not uh, has had his fair share of injuries as well, so you never know that whole team. Oh yeah, they could they could pull a Chargers if that reference makes sense. I hated I hated the Houston Texans draft yeah, mainly because they couldn't get a first out of Hopkins, so I was kind of soured on that already. But yeah, no, this is a this is like a low C grade for me, similar to what the Seahawks got. Right, I think they did well with their lower picks. I gave them a C because uh, the higher picks just weren't there for me. So, uh, who was your second um, uh, least favorite team? Have I talked? I've not talked about the Philadelphia Eagles, right? No. Okay, so this is a- no, no. <laughs> okay, so I'd this like to hear this. Philadelphia Eagles. I think people are hating on the wrong pick. The Jalen Jalen Hurts. No, I didn't hate I, I, the Jalen Hurts pick, and I didn't hate the. Yeah, no, I, I like the Jalen Rager, Rager pick. Rager but for pick some reason, well. everyone else tends to hate on it. People are calling it a reach. Well, he was wide receiver six on my board. Jalen Rager was wide receiver six on my board. Yeah, I ha- and he's he's exactly the guy that they needed too. I uh, I put I wrote the scouting report for him on the Sports Wave, and I projected him to go to the Eagles. I heard that they were in love with him. I think that uh, I mentioned, I can't remember if it was with you or with Stan, that he is the perfect player for Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. And I think that Epinesa still has, uh, uh, not Epinesa, excuse me, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside still has uh, potential as as that big-bodied guy. And I think that him and Rager, won't, uh, they won't get in the way of each other's development. I mentioned that before. Plus, you have $24 million invested in Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. You're going to need to start building up that receiver core. Nelson Aguilar. No, he's with the he's Raiders. Not there anymore. I, I don't think. Right. 
Right, so he's out the door. You need that guy. Rager was an amazing pick, in my opinion. Jalen Hurts was also a good a good pick, not a great pick. I think you could have waited another re- – you know what? Scratch that. I think that he was a good pick right. there. No, but, you know, the main ahead. reason why I didn't like the Eagles draft was because of the Jalen Hurts pick. I'm not I'm not particularly high on Hurts for pretty much any reason. I didn't I didn't like him at all, to be fair. Yeah, and and I asked you before the draft, I said, what if the Steelers took him with the 49th? I don't pick? remember what I said. And uh because I, I thought that it would have been fine if you're looking at a contingency plan for Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, no, I didn't like it. I didn't like, it, didn't very like much. it very much. And the thing is, I see what the Eagles are doing, but you could have gotten better value. Like the Colts got Jacob Eason in the fourth round. And you're telling me you couldn't have taken a receiver yeah. or a corner or sorry, they took Rager. Fine. They couldn't have taken a cornerback with this pick to sort of counter the CD Lamb pick that the Cowboys made in the first round, which is what they need more than anything in my opinion. They need an outside corner right. out opposite Darius Slay. The Cowboys facts. probably have the best. Like that, that is so facts. Right I, I can't agree more. And People are hating on the Jalen Rager pick because it's a so-called quote-unquote reach. I completely disagree. I've mocked Jalen Rager at 21 yeah, multiple times because I because he is the perfect athlete and I think can be a do-it-all as a receiver. As long as- yeah, I won't stand for the I won't stand yeah, no, for the Rager. I, I don't. I, 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 can't I, won't, I won't do it. He's my no. I can't. My favorite offensive player in this draft. He has, bla- he has blazing speed. He's very, very athletic. I think he did track in high school and college. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was a, a long jumper. Uh, he won all the long. He broke all the long jump state records for uh, Texas, and <clears throat> he was in the he was in the 90th percentile for the uh, for the vertical leap with uh, I think. Um, I can't remember what his vertical was, but it, it, don't quote me on this. I think it was like 42 inches, and his long jump was uh, 11.6. Yes. And he came in the 99th percentile. So his 98th percentile vertical, 99th percentile in the, um, in the long jump. And I mentioned uh, on, a pr- on a previous podcast that he, he ran a 4-4-something, four, 4-4-7, four I think it was, the combine. But he put on about 10 extra pounds. So keep in mind that he's not used to playing with that. He put up 17 reps on the bench press, which matches with uh, with AJ Epinesa, who's who's known as a powerful defensive end. And also, <clears throat> he had that pro day, that unofficial pro day. He ran. Okay, I understand that everyone runs like this during their unofficial pro days, but he ran a four two eight and a four two two, and that's after that he that he got rid of all the, yeah, all the extra yeah. weight that he wasn't playing with. So I'm, yeah, yeah the Rager, I can't say enough about Rager. Here's the thing. I, I graded m- most of these receivers even before the combine, and I had to adjust some of the speed ratings before. I didn't touch Jalen Rager's speed rating after the combine. He runs 4-2 on tape. I have I do not care at all what the combine says. I trust the tape. Like, defenders are dead scared of him. Yeah, he had terrible. Yeah, I don't, he had I couldn't care a less. terrible quarterback at TCU, and yet defenders were dead scared of him. I love this pick. The, the Rager pick was just fine. I don't know why people are even calling that, calling that a reach. But the, the Hurts pick, just yeah. the Hurts pick and all of the sort of lack of cornerbacks that they drafted, that it just annoyed me, quite honestly. It's not that I hated this draft. It just annoyed me a lot more than I thought it would. Because 
I, I thought they should have taken a lot more skill position talent than they did. The... Yeah, I mean, they took yeah. one cornerback. They took he's Von the Wallace in the, uh, in the fourth, I believe. And he was he's physical, he's quick, and he's instinctive. Yeah. But he's a, he's, he's he played safety and slot corner, Clemson. And keep in mind, his ball skills aren't exactly the best. Yeah. So if you're going to go up, well, the, we know the Philadelphia secondary is already in tatters, even with Darius Slay, because they have a bunch of guys who can't stop getting baited by double moves. So that's going to work out great against Amari Cooper, CLM, and Michael Gallup. Mm-hmm. That's going to work out fantastic. And the fact that they didn't draft a cornerback, but instead drafted a safety from Clemson who's going to compete for the starting slot corner job alongside the guy that, alongside Nikhil Roby Coleman, who they projected as their slot starter. So, like, just what are you doing? And keep in mind, they didn't have great linebacker depth either. They, they cut Bradham. They were starting Nathan Gary and Kamagruje Hill, who, by my, by my count, neither of those are fantastic linebackers. If you're going to stop Ezekiel Elliott, you're going you're gonna to need better linebackers than that. I'm sorry. But I just wasn't a, Yeah, no, I wasn't yeah, a fan of that pick. I didn't love Davion like, Taylor Eiler. Come on, you just got to get some value here. Now, that's my spiel there on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll go on to my last one, the L.A. Rams. I gave them a C-. minus. So, round two, uh, Cam Akers. Again, I said it before, I'll say it again. A lot of people know my distaste toward running backs. However, that being said, Akers was my most underrated running back in this draft. Uh, A lot of people weren't so high on him. For a running back, I thought I think that he can can do a lot. He's used to running behind bad O-lines, which, in my opinion, I – For sure. It has a lot of value to me, and he's going to be running behind a battle line in L.A. If they can fix it, great. If they can't, at least he's shown that he can be semi-effective under it. I still think he was a little bit overdrafted, but uh, others may disagree with that. Of Van Jefferson, round two, uh, I think this was an okay pick. However, I don't think that he's very good at, like, the small stuff, you know, the small stuff that you want your receivers to do. I thought he was a little overdrafted as well. Uh, Terrell Lewis, edge defender out of Alabama. He was hurt by injuries, but it, again, if you can get past that, he's a very high upside pick. He has the tools to be a quality pass rusher if he can stay on the field. And then a later pick in round three, uh, safety Terrell Burgess out of Utah, very versatile player. Uh, he can play safety and slot corner, and he's great in press coverage. Uh, the tight end, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. It's a good pick, but I don't see the value there considering they have Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. He's got good speed, but again, he's going to be the third tight end on that ro- on that roster, and I don't see the, the value in a fourth-round pick there. Uh, and also, yeah, he did have 22 drops over his career, which is kind of concerning for me. Yeah, uh, and the rest of their picks, uh, I didn't put any descriptions for them. They had Jordan Fuller, the safety out of Ohio State. Pretty much any defensive back that comes out of Ohio State is uh, is a good pick, and the fact that they got one in the sixth round is good is is okay for me. Uh, linebacker Clay Johnston out of Baylor, uh, taking a kicker in the seventh round, Sam Sloman out of Miami, Ohio. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big fan of taking kickers in the draft, but I I don't. <laughs> does anyone watch tape on kickers? <laughs> nope. No, yeah, absolutely it, no idea. Do you know anything about this guy at all? Yep. Screw it. <laughs> I'm just going to skip him. And offensive tackle, uh, Tremaine uh, Ankrum, 
if I'm pronouncing that correctly, out of Clemson. Uh, good pick for the uh, for the seventh round. But in total, again, like the um, I uh, like the uh, excuse me, the Texans. They did well at the lower end of the draft. They didn't do so well at the high end of the draft, which is really where it matters. Again, with a contending team like the Rams, I don't think they're contending anymore because they uh, that free agency team that they built a couple of years ago is not the same. However, if you want to build that up, you can't do it by blowing your uh, your high picks the way that they did. Uh, I don't think that this draft class is really going to help them out um, right now or in the long run. There's a few players that can potentially turn into something. But for I, sure. I wasn't um, one thing I have to C-. say about this Ram about this Rams front office in the last few years, this is this is 101 on how you mismanage a contending team. Overpay pieces who you think are gonna be super valuable for the future and how that'll blow up in your face and trade away all your assets for sort of quote unquote rental players who won't make much of an impact on your team. They traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, a, a cornerback. Right. I'm sorry. When you have a struggling offensive line and a quarterback who needs a good running game and a good offensive line to produce well, you trade both your first-round picks for a corner who's going to eat up $20 million of your cap space in the future. Like, what the heck are the Rams doing? That, uh, they don't have any yeah, next year. They don't year have either. any first-round picks for next year either, which is really annoying. Time, right? And, okay, I was yeah. a fan of the Cam Akers pick just because I feel like he can vulture a lot more carries than Daryl Henderson can. He's a much better running back than Henderson than Henderson is. And the Van, I like the Van Jefferson pick because it makes sense. Um, he's not very fast, but once again, it's that it's their sort of uh, wide receiver prototype of great route runner who could just get a lot of separation at the line of scrimmage. You can see that in Cup and Woods. With Terrell Lewis, once again, it's just it's just all about injury. If he can overcome those, if he just can just overcome injury uh, pers- uh, persistent injuries, he'll be a good player. The Terrell Burgess pick, I liked this because he's probably yeah. going to start for them at nickel. They already have Taylor Rapp and John Johnson at safety, so why not just play Burgess at corner from day one? I think that's that was their entire intent, right? Yeah. when they made it. The Bryson Hopkins pick was was made mainly because uh-huh. Gerald Everett is in a contract here. Like he was drafted in 2017. I, I think he, yeah, he's on a contract year after 2020. Exactly. So you're he's just drafting another tight end to compliment um, Tyler Higby, who they just signed to an extension. So with that in mind, there, I, I, I don't see mm-hmm. why you gave them a C minus. Probably it's just because the Cam Akers pick kind of soured you a little bit early, like their first picked. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me neither. I wasn't. No, I'm. I'm, I'm not very high. Either. I'm not high oh, on Ben Jefferson at all. I just. Oh, I just okay. see why they made the pick. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, and they did get some special teams help later uh-huh. in the draft, which is always yeah, helpful. Yeah. But, I mean, just in general, how they've managed their draft process the last few years is just, like, what are you doing, sort of thing. It's the same question I asked the Seahawks, but like, yeah. why? And keep in mind, they didn't draft an inside linebacker either. Right. Agreed. Which is another really annoying thing. They didn't draft an inside yeah, linebacker yeah. at all. And they Right, yeah, they have they Kenny have Young and Mike Pyles as their projected starters. So I'm just like, have fun getting run over by the other three NFC West teams. Good luck with that. Yeah, who's who's uh um, yeah. who's guarding uh what's his name? George I mean, 
Because I know they're safe. I think it's going to be. I think that's going to be Ramsey. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Your right? It's going to. Like that's the only guy. Who's gonna... Yeah, actually, yeah, that does make sense. I remember when uh, when Gronkowski was still um was still a problem for uh, for New England, that every team was trying to find that guy. The only safety that could really handle him was uh was Cam Chancellor, and then it was Eric Berry, but. They put Jalen. Uh, they put Tre'Davious White on him. The Bills put Tre'Davious White on him, and Tre'Davious White did a very good job. I think Ramsey can actually take on that that challenge of um, of George Kittle, but then you're taking him away from uh, from a player like Debo Samuel or uh, another receiver that they could potentially have. Now, uh, I didn't. All in all, didn't love. Oh, the, my third the team is actually going to be the New England Patriots. Uh, who's your third team? Who I, I I just sit here with a confused look on my face every time I read okay. their entire draft class. Their first, I like their first two picks. I'll be honest. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, <laughs> like who, I like their who, first who? <laughs> two picks because um, they they both really did fill needs. Kyle Duggar is a good player who can sort of fill that strong safety role that the Patriots have always played Patrick Chung at. So I, I did like the Duggar pick because I think he's very underrated. He's a fantastic athlete, and, and he can probably cover tight. That's that's the guy the Patriots have who, who's probably going to end up covering tight ends from the slot. Pretty much be, pretty much be their quote unquote Derwin James. I know I use that term a lot, but that's kind of yeah. He's a yeah. He's, he's a the, prototypical. He's, the ideal player he's a prototypical box what safety, he does. If that makes sense. The Josh Uche pick makes a lot of sense too because right. they're going to yeah. play him an off-ball linebacker, and I I love that fit. He's probably going to play Sam, or I think yeah, I think he's going to play Sam the same way Zach Bond is at New in New Orleans. He's he's going to play he's right. going to play on he's going to play on the strong side of the formation on the side of the tight end, and he's just going to be a fantastic player who can rush on third down if needed and and play well in coverage. So good pick by them. They lost a lot of linebackers, so this pick makes sense. Yeah, the great the great pick by New England last year that I that I absolutely loved for them. I mean, I hate the team and I hate the t- uh, the team that they drafted this kid from. But they took Chase Winovich in the third round last year out of Michigan. He was like one of the highest value picks for where they drafted him last year. And then they pick another linebacker out of Michigan uh, in Josh Uchi. I think that him and Winovich will will have that sort of chemistry exactly. right off and- the bat. Their next pick together. here. This one, you're gonna have to help me with this one. Anthony Jennings, the edge from Alabama. What's their plan here? Are they playing him a defensive end or linebacker? Like so, my expression here was just confusion. I, I was just confused. I th- I think. Yeah. So Anthony Jennings. I mean, his athleticism isn't great. If you're putting him, I, uh, if you're putting him on a like a. Uh, if you're comparing him to other NFL For pass sure. rushers, he had good production as a senior, but he was he was relatively like quiet throughout the rest of his career. So I'm not really sure exactly what you want to do with him, considering he isn't a great pass rusher. I'd rather put him at uh, outside linebacker, but I can see why they put him at edge, just because maybe he's more comfortable there, and he doesn't seem to me as the type of player yeah exactly that, that makes sense well so you just want to zone. play him at 4-3 end and see what he can do okay so i'm just like okay whatever yeah. they didn't have met much ed- many edge rushers so why not but these next two picks really 
really pissed me off because I thought there were much better players on the board. Dalton Keene, um, <clears throat> the tight end from Virginia Tech, who they traded up for, and Devin Asai, the tight end from UCLA, who apparently I think they also traded for. So I'm just like, why? Like, take a tight end, but you're not taking Bryson Hopkins. You're not taking Harrison Bryant. You're not taking Chad Moss. Like, why? Why? What are you doing? Just like, what are you doing? Do you expect one of these guys to convert to receiver? Because I don't think either of them has has the size has the size to do it. Like, no, they're they're mostly, or at least I can speak for. I don't know too much about Keen, but in terms of uh, Siasi, he he's a good blocking tight end, and. I guess that replaces what you lost in Gronkowski and what you didn't have Ryan last Izzo? year. And, um, I don't know. Tight Their tight end depth was pretty terrible. Uh, I th- yeah, it was. <laughs> but you're replacing what you lost in Gronkowski uh, two years ago with that. But in terms of Keen, I-, I don't know too much about him, so I'm not going to say anything. I didn't like them. I didn't like their draft at all either. I give it a B-. minus. I... They're later yeah, I agree with you. And the thing with Keen is I don't even watch me. the guy. Like, I, my, all of my tape watching comes from YouTube. Like, when I search up this player versus, I didn't – I got one game out of Keen. So, that pretty much – that in a way, it kind of tells me all I need to know, that this guy's probably not very highly – very not – very not very high thought of. Yeah, highly touted. High th- highly thought of. Exactly. So, highly I'm just like, touted. why take two yeah. tight ends? I get that you need depth, but, like, can you, is it really that hard to, what, trade a fourth rounder for O.J. Howard? Like, can you not get some quality? Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they took them back-to-back in the third round. Yeah, I know. And, and I, I'm pretty sure Adam Trotman got taken out for both of them. The board there. So. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I don't understand what the Patriots did here. And thing. the thing that annoyed me even more was they didn't take a quarterback. So you're going into a season starting Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham. Yeah, they signed they signed two uh, UDFAs. I can't remember the name of the first guy, but I I know I definitely know Brian Lewerke, who quarterbacked Michigan State for the past four years. Uh, he Brian I can't speak for the other guy. I don't even know his name. I can't remember it. But Brian Lewerke is a mobile quarterback. He can run. He had really good stats in terms of pass yardage, but he was that. The Michigan State offense is centered a lot around the around the run, which is why they average like fourteen points a game. You can't you can't have a you can't have a team that centers around the run in the Big Ten when the Big Ten is so defensive heavy. Uh, like you have Ohio exactly. State and you have Michigan. That none of that made any sense to me. But uh, the, he did have Felton Davis the third a couple of years ago, who was really 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 good until he broke something. It was it was like a horrible injury. Uh, Brian Lewerke, he followed Connor Cook, who followed Kirk Cousins. And he was probably the least impressive out of the three of them. Connor Cook was a third round pick at one point. Kirk Cousins, we all know what we all know about Kirk Cousins. But but Lewerke is nothing special. Uh, I think that he has tools, but he's nothing special at all. And I I don't know about the other guy. Yeah, uh, and, again, and like, you were saying it's basically like, I'm not, I'm not spoiler at this point. Yeah, it's it's definitely not something not, I'd be ha- uh, I'd be happy with if I was desirable. a Patriots fan. And, and the other thing that really annoyed me was they didn't take a single receiver. Keep in mind the Patriot, not a single Patriots receiver ranked in the top 100 yeah. 
of average yards of separation per route run. None of them could get open, which is why the Patriots offense sucked last year. And so you're telling me. Yeah, and they weren't exactly. they weren't expecting that out of Nikhil Harry. He was more of a contested catch guy. But yeah, no, you, exactly. you don't want a contested catch guy with your first round pick. Exactly. And, and especially the thing if you don't with have Nikhil Harry, is he sucks at getting separation. Year. That was his Achilles heel when he was at Arizona State, which is why I constantly made the joke that they were going to draft Brandon Ayuk and have two terrible Arizona State receivers right. who sucked at separating. So you have that. Julian Edelman <laughs> led the league in drops last year and couldn't separate. <laughs> Mohamed Sanu, that was probably the biggest waste of a second round pick I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, not worth a second. I thought that it was it was good. On exactly, their part like it just doesn't make any him, sense. But a second and round pick was way too I, high. I forget who else they have. Jacoby Myers, like another guy who can't separate, an undrafted free agent. What exactly can you expect? And finally, they have they signed Marquise Lee, and I'm just who's coming off. Um, he tore his ACL in 2018, missed an entire season, didn't do much last year. So it's a below average receiving core. Which, by the way, a Patriots fan tried to convince me it was average, which I laughed at. Because it, because it just sucks. And you want Jarrett Stidham to maybe get you to eight <laughs> wins? Yeah, that's not happening. Like, especially with Josh McDaniels' uncreative offense. Like, I, I hate that they passed on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Another team that I... They, they did sign Jeff Thomas in as an undrafted free agent. Probably the best thing they've done in this draft process so far. Good, good on them. But, like... You couldn't draft Jacob Eason in the fourth round. You yeah. really had to take two tight ends over Jacob Eason. Like, I know the guy has char- quote-unquote character issues, but, like, developmental quarterback is probably better than anyone else you have. Is it really that difficult? Like, I just don't understand what the Patriots are doing here. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the Patriots are known for taking in those those cases, those cases of character issues. I mean, Gronkowski... I uh, I guess is one of them. Yep. Of course, you have Josh Gordon. I oh. uh, Randy Owens. Moss. Terrell Owens played uh, for the Terrell Patriots. Owens. You have all these guys. Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> I don't remember that, but yeah, he did at one point. Yeah, he played. He played a season, maybe two under them, and it it didn't work out at all. But he uh, he played for them, and it's just another example of the Patriots taking in these these basket cases. <laughs> it's per- no, I don't want to say that. Taking in these uh, um, people, ca- players with character yeah. issues. Exactly. You know, so, like, it, just, it doesn't affect their culture. Yeah. So, is it really hard to pass on a quarterback of that caliber, especially when you know what his ceiling could be? So, to get this straight, the Patriots threw some resources on the defensive end. Okay, respectable. But offense-wise, where they actually struggled, they didn't draft a backup quarterback, so they don't have. A, they don't exactly have a future. So, tanking is a plan, and they don't have a receiver, a single receiver who can separate. Everyone on that team sucks at that. And because they can't get open, expect the expect the Patriots to to do very poorly in terms of like in terms of in, in terms of sustaining long drives and getting in the end zone. Expect maybe a seven and nine or six and ten team, possibly worse, if they really want to tank for Trevor. I'd even say the Jets are a better squad. Yeah, the Bills are. Definitely I think the Jets are a better squad. I think the Jets are a better squad than the Patriots. I think the Jets give them more fight than the talent. Bills. Oh yeah, hell, definitely, definitely. But I think I think uh, Bill Belichick for has, sure. Um, something needs to be. You know, he he deserves some credit for uh, 
for pushing teams past where exactly. they should have been in the past. So I, I can't card. discount him still being there. But with that said, that wraps up our uh, that wraps up our our uh, our teams, the ones that we love, the ones that we didn't love. Let's let's uh, we're at, we just hit a hundred minutes, <laughs> so let's try in five minutes. Try and um, it bears, was very uh, Bears esque, uh, to say the least. Draft class. Uh, drafting a drafting what the billionth tight end on to on the roster with the very first pick, not a fan. Um, Jalen Johnson at fifty, I liked that. The Travis Gibson yep. pick, also by the way, they didn't have a they didn't have a third or a fourth round pick, so their second round pick was at fifty and their fifth was at one fifty five. So a hundred picks until they uh, until they could pick again. I like the Vilder pick. It was it was fine, I guess. They did they do need some extra corner help. The Daryl Mooney pick, I don't understand over John with Peoples Jones, and they got some guard up in the seventh round. So it's just like it's not a great draft, but it's not entirely horrible. Yeah, I, I think that the one thing, yep. of course, that stands out is the tight end thing. I mean, you sign Jimmy Graham, you let go of, of Trey Burton. You, you take Cole Komet and Cole Komet, I, I wasn't high at him at all. <laughs> uh, he's, he has a good, like, he's good at a lot of things, but he's not very dynamic. And I, I don't know. I'm just, he's not, he's not what I would describe as. Right. It was just bad. A guy, value, like a, chain mover, a guy that moves the chains on offense. I've gotten much later. Yeah, you could have gotten one much later. I really think yeah, and uh, wide receiver was in play here, especially with the forty third overall pick. I mean, yeah, you could have even you could have even taken Jacob Eason here with with that one hundred percent with this with one of the second round picks. It might have been a reach, but like another competitor in the TV room. Sure. Yeah, like, and again, again, Chase Claypool, <laughs> six four. Border, he's about 15 pounds light for uh, for the tight end position. He borders on tight end. He's bla- he's got blazing speed for someone at his size. He can play tight end for you if you need, but he also fills a receiver spot that you also need. You have Allen Robinson, who I I think is I think is extremely underrated. I think he's one of the best receivers in the entire NFL. But ever since his high school days, he hasn't been exactly. <laughs> he hasn't had good quarterback play ever since he was in high school. I can't remember the I can't remember the he's list of quarterbacks, but he's never had a good quarterback. He got in cut his entire career. So they and then who and then who do you have? Taylor I, I don't even know. Anthony Miller, Wiley Ridley. Oh, who, who do you have now? Or who do they have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's nothing. That's nothing to write home about. Chase Claypool would have been an amazing pick here. Denzel Mims. Uh, would have been an amazing he was pick at forty three. I don't know. Was KJ Hamler on the board here? Yeah, kid KJ Hamler would have been an amazing pick to pair with Allen Robinson. The the main thing that's st- wrapping everything up now, the main thing that stood out about me to, in this exactly stood out in this draft to me was a lot of teams did very well, but the teams the teams that didn't yep. the teams that needed receivers didn't take them. New England. You you look at Seattle. You look at I uh, um Green Bay, you look at the Bears. These teams had the opportunity of a lifetime. I agree, and they completely passed up on it. I think it was a major miss opportunity. They struck out. I think all those teams 
the, the Patriots, like you said, all those teams that refuse to take receivers or at least in high positions, completely struck out. I, yep. That, yeah. <laughs> that pretty much wraps us up. We're Me at too. 103 minutes. I think this is the longest. No, I don't have anything. Done. Everything I plugged was I had in the an last amazing episode. time. Plug whatever you got to do right now. Yep. And then we'll. <clears throat> right. So watch the tape. Is the uh, is uh, so the sports wave? We have our own podcast. It's called Watch the Tape. Uh, Drew hosts it with uh, Xavier. Uh, go listen to that. Also check out um, all the new articles that come out on the page every day. Uh, I just had my Pittsburgh Steelers draft grades article released uh, at two o'clock while we were recording this. So if you're a Steeler fan, go listen to that. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Drew, for coming on again. See you welcome later. anytime, and uh, I will see.